1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: Getting out of Philadelphia, trying to find your identity. What are the Philadelphia Flyers? Let's talk about it all right now.
1: This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt.
0: It is episode 134 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff just by searching Orange and Backcheck Podcast on all those platforms. And give a follow to the Hockey Podcast Network, our official partner, and DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when signing up and get a free bonus. Scott flyers i i think uh, charlie o'connor put it perfectly i and wrote about it perfectly i think that we are settling into the identity of the flyers they are a gritty team that can't score goals uh we saw that the last couple of nights uh against vegas and and washington uh had a nice win against colorado so that was nice to see against the stanley cup champions the defending champions so um it's been an interesting week you're oh two or you're one, one, and one over the last three games, which isn't terrible after going on a 10-game yeah. winless streak. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah All uh, things you're, considered. Yeah, your thoughts uh, for this week overall?
1: Look, it is a uh, – sorry, my, my, my thing went on mute here because, you know, I have people yelling in the next room, so I have to keep it on mute half the time. Anyway, um, about uh, the Flyers. Let's talk about them now. You know, it was a good win against Colorado to to see them come back, and you know it, it, that can that can help a team. I thought overall they they played pretty well. They got off to a big lead there. Now they Colorado's got their own problems going on. They have a lot of injuries. If Nathan McKinnon hadn't gotten hurt in that game, probably would have been a different story. Uh, but it's um, it's still regardless the fact they almost gave it away was a little concerning, but they they won the game, and that's important. The thing is about this team, and and you're right, Charlie O'Connor is right, and Tortorella said it for one of his press conferences this week, it's just that we, he said, quote, we don't make enough plays. And and it's true. It's that you know the deficiencies on this team. They play very well structurally. They play very well defensively. They play very well not giving up too many scoring chances. But they can't score. But you know what? I'm okay with that because – this is how you're supposed to build a team. You're supposed to build it from the back to the front. Yeah, you're going to have little guys that, make mis- guys that make mistakes from time to time and stuff like that. But I'm okay with that because the trend is in the right direction. Yeah, they can't score because they have nothing up front. But they're not giving up too many chances. They've been in every single game they've played for the most part over the past week. Um I just don't, They're not getting blown out like they were against the honors a couple weeks ago. You know, Just some lapses here, but that ha, that's expected with a younger team and a team that you're trying to build up. But they are very difficult to play against, but they're not going to score goals, and that's going to be the downfall. So this it, is a good way to build the foundation of a team going forward, which I think that Tortorella talked about this past week as well. It talks about where where, where this team is at, and where it's going to go, it actually has me really excited for the future.
0: Yeah, I I, I I, can't disagree. I think the, and everyone will look at what you just said in the so Joe. Well, they just lost 4-1 against Washington. Well, look at what really happened there. I mean, they were playing toe-to-toe with them. Uh, they were actually shutting down Ovechkin until the last couple of seconds there when he scored a goal. Um, like, they played a really strong 40 minutes. Really, I would say like a 52-and-a-half, 53-and-a-half. Uh, before it shut, shut itself down. They felt the wheels one fell mistake. off. Yeah. Yeah. One
1: mistake. One mistake again. It's always one mistake. And then two empty netters. There was two empty netters. So they didn't really lose four to one. They lost two to one. And essentially they lost two to one. And that's, what's frustrating. Cause it's like the only,
0: but Ed, to your point about like building from the back forward. I mean, we've been saying that since AV, like what we thought was a good squad built from the back up with AV is now completely dismantled to its own extent. You lost a skin, and you now have Tony D'Angelo, who was a healthy scratch on Saturday against Vegas. Cam York made his debut. So uh, it was nice to see Cam because I, I've said, I've made very clear on what I thought about the Cam York being sent down. Like, it, despite what Tortorella wants to build here, I think you have to build with your, your young guys. So Cam York, I think, is more valuable over the long term than uh, Tony D'Angelo. But Tony D'Angelo brings his own set of assets because V has kind of settled into his own um, and and the like. But expanding it out, I just think like this team is, is frustrating to watch and it's been frustrating to watch for the last decade or two. So I, I don't know what to make heads or tails of it, but Carter Hart and Tortorella are the shining lights of this team, despite my comments last week about how Tortorella is a dick. Uh, it's a it's amazing. Like it's truly amazing the how these two are the shining lights after what we've seen since 2019. Really?
1: Well, and and look, let's be look, going back to Tony D'Angelo being scratched. Like you know, he's averaged like 24 minutes over 24 minutes of ice time per night. That's a lot for him. So kind of give him a step back. You know his defensive flaws to begin with. He's he's a guy who pushed to play up ice. So you know it's more or less from the way Torts said it was more or less like he's banged up he he needs he needs like a maintenance day like, a, like you would do a Joel and Joel Embiid um so that's, that's I, I'm not I'm not too concerned about it, but it is good because it gets gets Cam York a cup of coffee see if the team can get some confidence back in him and figure out what they're going to do here a lot of what's going to happen now is just assessing it's just going to be assessing you, you know you know what they are you know this team is regardless you know how many points are they out of the wild card today let's take a look after last night's results they are second to um last in the eastern conference with 24 points and a minus uh, 25 goal differential yeah and they're um yeah they're i mean they're nine point they're nine points out of a playoff spot i mean oh but i was told they're only five out well last week they were yeah so yeah look, look what's happened well, and here's the thing. They've scored in the Eastern Conference. They've scored the least amount of goals. They've scored 66 goals. I mean, Columbus is below them, and Columbus has eight more goals than they do. They've also given up 15 more. But um, Yeah, they, that's, they, that
0: goes to the credit of how good Carter Hart has been this season.
1: Yeah, and defensively, too. That, that's the key. But they've only scored 66 goals. That's that's not going to win you any games in the National Hockey League. I mean, consider that the you know the highest-scoring team is Boston. They have 103. That's, that's 37 more goals. You know, New Jersey's got 100 goals. Pittsburgh's got 100 goals. You know, Carolina, which is surprising. They only have 80 goals, which is a little surprising, but they're really, really good defensively. Still more anyway, than I'm not, yep, and, and that Yep, and, but that's the key is that they have guys who can score. There's no, Tortorella even said it best, is that we don't make enough plays. There's not enough skill up front on this team, and we knew that going into it, but when you're missing, like, you know, Cam Atkinson, when you're missing Sean Couturier, you know, that when you don't have any of those players up the middle to help a guy like Owen Tippett. You know, I thought Owen Tippett's turned into a pretty decent player, you know, a power forward, but he has nobody to feed him the puck. You know, TK and Kevin Hayes are doing all the legwork because they don't have anything else. So, the good news is Cutter Gauthier is lighting it up at Boston College, which is really really nice to see. But um, you know, that's uh you know, we, we can't look at that now because he's not going to turn pro till next year. I mean, well, they but he is get a shining light. Help. Like
0: he's he's clearly Absolutely. A, he's clearly going to be a goal scorer in the NHL to some capacity, whether that you're is a
1: playmaker, just a right. great playmaker. And it's going to make players around him better. And that's the importance of it's not. How about I make something clear? These guys are pro hockey players. They have a lot of skill. If You went up against them, league, you're, you're screwed. So that's the point is that the, you don't see it at the high level because not all the pieces are in place. They, What kills them in not being able to score is the lack of depth and the middle, like the center position. They don't have any playmaking ability. If Kevin Hayes has played very well, and they had his winger, like TK has played well, but TK plays the wing at this level. Scott Lawton is a great player as far as defensively and grinding games out and being effort, but he's not an offensive play driver. You know, everybody says, oh, we well, he, he in juniors he set records. I'm Like, yeah, because he was a man amongst boys. When you're a 20-year-old player who's pro ready going against 18 years old, 18-year-old players, that happens. They do not have enough depth in the middle of the ice to be able to create any kind of offensive creativity. Cause Tortorella said this week, they're not holding them back. They just don't have enough. Yeah. And that is should acknowledge, and this is this is the important piece of this team where you know you look at their losses this week against Washington and Vegas. And these are these are two-one losses. These are these are not losses when you're building something to be frustrated about. Because think about this for a second. Vegas is one of the best teams in in the in league. I mean, it, and it's not even close. I mean, they're 28 and 1. Like, you know, even before that, they, they have so much skill. They're first in the Pacific Division, and they are a puck possession monster. They just, it's like they have a plus 20 goal differential because they carry the puck so much. They're just a really good team. But the thing is, if you can compete with a team like that and only lose two to one, well, yeah, people are gonna say, oh man, they can't score. Yeah, but you you held one of the best, probably one arguably one of the best teams in the league to one to, to really one goal. And the second goal came on a three-on-three. So you, you really can't complain about that because you want to build from the back to the front. So the fact that the Flyers are moving in this direction should really make people excited because once they figure out what's going to happen in the front office, what the hell they're going to do there, and if they can add the right pieces down the middle to help them create more offense, or a player that can help them create more offense, this, this team is going to come up quicker than people think. And 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 that's a, that's a, that's really the positive you have to look at it. It's not that you know they're they're playing poorly. They're not playing bad. Their record is, is their record doesn't show how well they're playing because they can't score goals, and you need to score goals. But defensively, nobody wants to play these guys because they're tough to score against. Goaltending defensively, offense is what's killing them right now. And there
0: and the fact that they still can't win, like Vegas was they Vegas was a fluky game. I thought Carter Hart gave up a bad rebound on that goal to give Vegas the one-nothing goal, one-nothing lead. Uh, and then Aiden Hill also played a poor puck, uh, that deflected off of uh a flyer and it went into the net. So it was poor play by them. But then the problem is, and it goes back to the to the issue, like they can't play sixty plus minutes the the flyers like they haven't won an overtime or in a shootout this season yet uh they're zero and six and it's don't like,
1: expect them to either yeah don't exactly them to. don't expect they don't they don't have enough skill to compete when we talk about skill players you can't throw out kevin hayes and uh what's it called and, and travis connect against players among the likes of jonathan Marchessault, jack just throwing it out there jack eichel you know um uh, Mark Stone. <laughs> and, you know they, they, you know they, 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 you, you can't, you can't do that. You, you cannot do that. So that's the thing is that you know Alex Petrangelo is another one like that. You, you don't have the players of that caliber to compete in a three on three when it really is just a glorified skills competition. You don't have it. So that's gonna be that's gonna be the key. That they, they're, they're not. They're not. I would not be surprised to not see them win one shootout or one overtime game this season. I would be, I would re- but the fact that they can get that team a past sixty minutes to get that five on five, or for the most part five on five, that's it's more of a positive than a negative, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree. I mean, it's that you got to find the silver linings and everything. Uh, one thing before we get in we're, our weekly bit, I feel like this is going to become a bit now is just breaking down the press conferences of John Tortorella, uh, and he had some interesting comments on the pregame, or the post-practice, post-press conference, and the uh, press conference right after Washington. But before we get into that, this episode of Orange Back Check, as always, is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook. H- hockey fans like the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5.00. Pre game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if that wasn't exciting enough, you can turn small bets into bigger bets with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. And if you didn't know, DraftKings also creates quick. Same game parlays. They bundle get things together already for you. So we're recording this uh, right before the Flyers face Arizona. Coyotes, you can put a same game parlay down that DraftKings built with the Flyers' money line. Goal, Travis connecting to score two more goals. Flyers, minus one and a half money line, or excuse me, puck line in the first period. So they'll be up by two or less, two or more. And the Flyers get the first goal. That's a plus. 3,500 bet that you can make there. That is a lot that you could bet. But bet a dollar. It doesn't matter. There's no unit shaming. In, on this podcast this is a safe unit, team, uh, safe unit space for you. Uh, you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and re- eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for those details. Okay, Scott. We had some interesting things from from Tortorella this week in terms of his press conference. Like I said, this is—I think this is just going to be a bit at this point uh, for this team. Would you like
1: me to break them down each week and tell you what he's saying in hockey speak?
0: I mean, I, to the to the big nuggets of what he's <laughs> discussing. Uh, yes, because the big thing was interesting. Uh, you saw it in the in—I think it was the Washington game—and then uh, I went and looked at it. His philosophy on morning skates. That's a fascinating—and when you really break it down, I kind of understand what he's trying to get at. But at the same time, he can't force his players to do anything in terms of getting on the ice or getting off the ice. I, he said there's only been two mandatory, maybe even one mandatory morning skate because he just doesn't see the the benefit of it, which is a fascinating thing. He basically yeah. went into um, you do your routine twice in one day, basically, or one one— one 24-hour period where you're putting on your equipment, you're taping yourself up, and then you're doing it again a couple hours later at the rink for game time. I actually agree with him because it just makes sense. Like, I can't believe it. Like, immediately listening towards, I was like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like, as a goalie yourself, especially for someone like a goalie, I can't imagine it being fun to do this twice in a 24-hour period or less. Uh, to put on all that equipment for a morning skate and then do it a couple hours later for a game.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, think about what Brian Elliott did a couple of years ago when he was here. You know, what Elliott did was that he stopped participating in morning skates before he would play games because it would make, he felt fresher. It felt made. Because think about it. We, you know, especially with age, you get older, those things happen. You know, your body doesn't want to work as well. You know, some guys do it because they've been used to it for so long that it just helps them get into a game, a game uh, mindset.
0: Which is what Torch is, highlighted, yeah. like especially because yeah. this team is young compared to the Brian Elias of the world, or like Kevin Hayes is up there, not up there, but he is the older, he's a veteran. Scott Lawns
1: a veteran, Correct. so like, yeah. I mean, I look at it as that. I mean, I understood the philosophy of the uh, the, the the morning skate when it started. It really started with the Flyers and Fred Shearer back in the seventies. I mean, that's that's really when the morning skate really started. And the idea was, you know, you're a little bit fresher, you're a little bit sharper going into the game and stuff like that. But now every team does it because, you know, it's copycat league. But over the years, I think the morning skates have been more optional uh, for the most part around the league. And it's simply because that's part of it. Like you don't want to run your guys down. You're in a condensed schedule, all this stuff. You know, if you're running through a hard practice the day before, you know, that's something where you don't really want to come to the rink and do that. If he's talking about he's saying some guys are he's really talking about superstition and routine and stuff like that. Yeah, that's You're not going to break that. Was, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, he doesn't see the value in it, but that's how some guys just go about their business. There are some superstitions. I mean, I'm a beer league goalie and I have superstitions like, you know, it's just that's just how you get your mind ready to play. Like I, I feel very, very off kilter if my if I put on any my left side of my gear has to go on first. I just always done it that way. And if it doesn't, I'm off kilter. And then I can tell you, just from, from personal experience, there was one game earlier this season where, like, I got to the rink and I did all this stuff. And, and, and I realized that I had taken apart a part of my goal pad to, to, to look at it because I had to get repaired. And I and I forgot it. I didn't have it. <laughs> I, didn't, I was like, oh, snap. So, I'm like, scram! I'm like, how am I going to fix this? And, and it got me on a tizzy because it's like. It wasn't part of the routine of putting everything in. I had to figure. Then I went and I was like, okay, I don't like to feel my stick today. I had to go back. I can make it go. No, no warm up whatsoever. And, and and played absolutely horrible. But that's the key. That, that's the point is that my mind wasn't ready because I didn't go through the routine part of it. What he's saying is he doesn't find value in it for some guys, but some guys need that to get ready because that's how they prepare for the game. So I get it. If he's not going to hold mandatory morning skates, that's a positive. But if guys say, I need to go out there and get ice in the early. Yeah, then he's going to obviously he can't say no to that because, hey, that's part of your thing. He doesn't see the value in it. But again, the person who does it does. So I don't have an issue with it. I just I, I think it's amazing that an NHL coach just come out and say in the morning skates stupid. I'm like, that's great. Like, and that's, of course, it's
0: amazing. And of course, it's Tortorella that's making those comments because it, it's just how he is. I, I think it goes also to just how he's pushing this club in the regular practices on those off days in between games um, to push them in practice. Because I mean, we we've talked about this endlessly a night in or day one, of training camp. He was like, we're not touching the puck. It's all conditioning. So I think that's also, th- that's a huge factor and why, because he, he doesn't want them exhausting themselves. Now I do think, that the players that do go out, which is still a majority of them, I from what I've read and what I've seen on YouTube or TikTok, whatever Twitter, whatever the case may be, like a decent amount of players still do this morning skate routine because, again, it's part of their routine. It's what they they're superstitious about. Myself, I'm only a little superstitious, uh, superstitious. not superstitious. I'm a little but um, I'm all. sorry. That's was that a, a joke? That was an office. Was that, did you just try to crack a joke? Now, I, I'm not – I'm replicating what uh, Michael Scott you? said. It was Michael Scott in one of the episodes of The Office. I think it's season two. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, what can I say? Uh-huh. What can uh-huh. I
0: say? I'm a little stitches. Anyway. Okay. You're, you're the worst. <laughs> Always got to get that in there.
1: Oh, I have to. I have um, to troll you a little bit.
0: So, yeah, I totally get it. And And just an overarching thing. There's clearly a better Tortorella with the media post-practice compared to post-game, especially after a loss. And I get it. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Like, if you ask the wrong question in post-practice compared to a post-game loss, you're going to get a different response. And you're going to get a more prickly response in the post-game, which I get. So credit to him. He's still a dick in his own right. But a respectable one. No, like, I, I don't what.
1: think he's a dick. I don't think he's a dick. I think there's there's a difference between being a dick and being honest. Being a dick is someone to say, I'm just gonna be a jerk just because I have that type of personality. I think he's straight up honest. I think he wears his heart on the sleeve. I see, I think whatever emotion that he has, you're gonna see it. So if he's frustrated after a game, does want to do a, a press conference that's less than a minute long, then yeah, then that that's that's the emotion part of it. I don't think he's a dick at all. I think people perceive him as a dick. Because of the way he's emotional about it and is not afraid to show his emotion, I think it's completely misconstrued. So I think that's what people take into consideration. It's a Philadelphia thing. Come on, that he's he's that's he's pure Philadelphia. I do you not know anybody in Philadelphia that doesn't wear their heart on their sleeve? Yeah, that's. I mean, it's 100% he's 100%. gonna when the Eagles play like crap, you're gonna boom at the stadium. When the Flyers play crap, you boo them. He's you know, the, that's, easy that's the target. Emotion.
0: He's the easy target at the time being because there's we we seen Chuck we've seen Chuck Fletcher twice in, in a season. We saw him earlier talking about uh, five points out, whatever. You're now nine points out, so you're delusional as always. But you're and, still
1: only nine points out,
0: and you're not going to hear from him at the trade deadline because I don't anticipate him to be here in the trade deadline. You're going to hear from Danny Briere probably or Torts of all people. Like you're going to hear from one of those two. You're not going to hear from Chuck any much longer. The next person, it, it, let's make a prediction. Better odds and DraftKings should honestly put this put this up again, promo code THPN. Who do we hear from next in the front office? Chuck Fletcher, uh, Dave Scott, Valerie Camilla. Who is the Dave better Scott. odds on who we hear?
1: Dave Scott. Yeah. Dave Scott minus hundred percent. Because yeah. Minus Listen. two thousand. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, exactly. That I think there's the odds. I don't think we'll hear from Val Camillo on the hockey app side at all. Um Well business, remember
0: she's being groomed apparently. She's being groomed to take over Dave Scott's responsibilities to be the first female CEO or whatever the uh governor, I think they switched it similar to the NBA, of the NHL. Which is fine. Like I'm I'm not disparaging that, but like she like that might be one of the reasons. I don't I would personally I would not put her first interaction as the soon to be governor slash owner of the NHL franchise as the one that says, Hey, we fired our GM, but you never know what this organization, because it's, 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 it's wild. What but, we're anticipating.
1: Well, listen, listen, I think that there's from what, from our buddy in San Filippo has stated is that there, where there's smoke, there's fire and there's smoke. Um, I think the bigger thing from what I have you know heard him say specifically, this isn't for me. This is from, you know, from what I heard from Anthony San Filippo, um, and uh, is that there's 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 conversations ongoing inside the front office about how, how it's going to happen. Is it's going to be, you know, it's matter, matter of if, not a matter of if, but when. That's part of it too. Um, I I look here's 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 the way I look at this whole thing. I, I'm not going to sit here and and say things about Valdi Camillo or whatever. Uh, Valdi Camillo, or, I'm not going to sit here and, and do that specifically. I think we know Dave Scott's flaw. I think we know that we've we've talked about, you know, the issues inside ownership and all that stuff, and then losing has exacerbated that. I think with this team is that they're, they're they, we, the fans, see a clear disconnect between the top people in the franchise and the hockey operations side of it. And I don't think that there's a good marriage between the business side and the hockey side of it. I really, really, really don't think so. Because I don't think that... It, a, it would have been taking this long to to fix this kind of thing. And B, it's just they seem out of touch with the fans a little bit. Then, granted, they've gotten better over the past couple months. I have agreed that they've taken things from the town hall and everything. But The point I'm trying to make is that I don't think that even just changing the general manager is going to do anything to the fan base, because at this point it's about results about what players you're going to bring in here. Now look you for everything you can say, whatever you want about Chuck Fletcher's tenure. Look, he, you know, he, he did win a playoff round. Okay. And he did win a playoff round. Let's be honest here. He did and try to make Robin. Yeah. And he, they, he tried, tried to make the moves to make it work, but they just completely backfired on him. So, we'll 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 talk more in depth when when things start to break and start to happen. My key is is that still, I don't think that there's enough if you're if Dave Scott, I don't think, can make decisions based upon hockey now she has to rely on others to give him that information. I think you know, Valerie Camillo with all due respect. she comes from baseball and she comes from the nationals. I don't know from a hockey standpoint how effective that could be. I don't know. I can't pass judgment because I'm not in that building. I don't see it. My concern is, is that until they have somebody like a Dave Dombrowski from the Phillies come in who can run both like part of the business side and understands the business side and the baseball side, if, they, if somebody comes in with the business side and the hockey side, you're you're in trouble. I think they would need like a Brian Burke type person. To really come in here and kind of be the the gray hair in the room, the, the room the, to mend those fences. To really, they need someone, not named Chuck Fletcher, not named Dave Scott, not named Valerie Camillo, to come in here, and run and basically be a top person at the franchise to kind of blend both sides together. How do you get the good business and how do you get good hockey? Because that's that's their business. When you have a deep, the seeming disconnect. That's. Th- th- I feel like this is going to continue even with the new general manager in place. You might make booms on the hockey side, but I still feel like you're going to be disconnected to some parts of the fan base. That's what I think needs to happen. And I and I, I, don't know if that's going to happen, but that, I think that that would be the best thing for them to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh... Did not anticipate us to go on a rant about the ownership again. But here we are because it's the Flyers and we have to find. Well, Joe yeah, and that's my bad. I, I didn't no, want to go fine. on a tangent, but um, it's the truth.
1: It, it, that's that's what they need. They really need that. If that's if those conversations are happening, that's what needs to happen here. And nobody's talking about that. They're just saying fire Chuck Fletcher. Okay. what's And I've been saying all along. What's the plan? What's the plan if you fire him now? What's the plan if you fire him in January or March? Like, What's the plan? The plan is you're just going to name another GM? Okay, yeah, it's going to be Danny Greer. Okay, and if it is Danny Briere, okay, what's Danny Briere? What, what's Danny Briere going to do? Because Danny Briere's already in that room. That's I'm saying is that you need to mend those fences. You need an intermediary, someone else, not named Chuck Fletcher, to come in here to mend the fence between hockey ops and ownership. Because until that happens, this shit, this disconnect, is going to continue to occur.
0: Yep. Uh, the final thing that that getting back on the John Tortorella stuff, like I did not think even three years ago four years ago that we would ever hear a coach after a five game homestand, which you did not perform well for the most part say, yeah, we got to get out of here. We need to go somewhere else. We can't be, we, we've been here too long at the Wells Fargo center and, and the like never would I have guessed that we would have heard a Philadelphia head coach say we've been here too long because I get what he's saying in, in, in the long term. Like I get it. But it is so weird to me to hear that when we're talking about a place that is always has a built-in home advantage. The Flyers just haven't seen that home advantage, home ice advantage, in six seasons, seven seasons. Like it's been way longer, honestly. Like even even when you were in the playoffs in the bubble, you weren't home; you were in the bubble. So it is wild. It's a wild concept to me, and I think most Philadelphians to hear. We have to get out of Philadelphia to reset ourselves, to get at it to like figure our, to re-establish our identity, continue our identity, whatever the case. It's just a wild concept to me, but at the same time, I do understand what he's saying because a five-game homestand is a long time, especially when you're not performing
1: well. Yeah, I look, I think you'd hit the nail on the head. Like it's stagnant. You get stagnant. You're around home too long. You just you get stagnant. It's just human nature. Like, you know, when you have these long 10-game homestands, like after a while, it's like, yeah, you're playing, but, you know, you're not doing anything, you know, all that stuff, and you got to go, you look, oh, I got to go back on the road soon. I think what helps players, and it's just my perspective. Again, this isn't anything that I can speak to specifically, but I just think that, you know, when you're, you're on the road and you go for here for a couple games and you're back home, you're constantly on the go and you're constantly thinking and you're constantly focused. I mean, if you're home too long, Say you're on like a five day vacation from from work or whatnot, and you're home for those five days. You know what I mean? Like not just stir crazy, but like it's a little harder to get back into a flow rather than like if you went to like a trip and you were gone all five days. You come back, oh man, I got to fix this something then go back to work, hey, right? that sort of thing. I think that that's what he's referring to. Is that yeah, we got to get out of here. We've been here, we've been here too long. We you know it's nice, but we 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 need to we need to get on the road and because teams do a lot of bonding on the road. The players do a lot of bonding they do they, they do things together you know they don't they they do a lot of things together as far as you know hanging out you know they with the uh, having roommates and stuff like that they 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 bond they have the team dinners and all that stuff you're all you're all together so you you build that rapport still and you build that closeness that family atmosphere so i think that's what he's referring to is that when you're home you're you're going to your house you know you're not you're not doing as much stuff so you're not he can't do much to help the team there. Team building activities are harder to do at home than they are on the road. So I think that's what he's referring to there.
0: Yeah, and and, and it's a fair point. I mean, you got the, this one up that you're on now where you're basically on the West Coast until you come back to New Jersey. And then you have your patented West Coast trip at the end of the month uh, where you're going back out there to, to face like San Jose and the Kings and the like. So, yeah, I get what he's saying. It's just a wild thing that to hear it actively said, especially in a city like Philadelphia, that prides itself on showing up for their teams, creating a hostile environment for the opposing fans or the opposing team, and then it's the exact opposite the last couple of seasons for the Flyers. Because despite, really, up until like post-2020 is when the crowd really started to be pushed away because they were still making a good attendance run for those between 2010 and and 2020 but then it went all went to hell these last couple of seasons I feel. So, it's a weird thing to hear publicly said is really what it really what it comes down to. And I think a lot of fans would agree. So, it's a, it's a very it's not easy to hear like, "Oh, we have to get out of Philadelphia when you're so prideful on how your team performs in front of your own home crowd."
1: Yeah, I, I... But yet again, look at the status of where they're at right now. I mean, I think people are filling the seats, but you know, are people really, really into it and think of this team? I mean, look, when I was down there a couple weeks ago, I mean people are into it. Don't get me wrong. People are still down there, the fans are still there, there's people still in the seats, but you know, you're you're still technically early in the season. What happens in January, February when the, you're in the when you're in the, the doldrums of the season and the boring part and yeah, you know, there's no holidays to look forward to or anything along those lines. You know that I think that's when you start seeing the dip in attendance again. If you ask me, yeah, so
0: I totally see that. Yeah, you know,
1: like hey, look, here they go again. They're gonna play really well, lose another game two to one or three to two because we have nobody who can score. Like if nobody wants to go see a team defend. They want to see goals, and until that happens, you can unless you're looking at it from a hockey perspective, unless they play well. You know, I don't think there's 19,000 people in that building that are looking at it the way we do.
0: Yeah, and they're certainly not looking there for Gritty anymore. Like, correct? Gritty, gritty has made his run. Uh, your Gritty's not going to come back into a, a positive, quote-unquote, light on the hole uh, up until this team starts winning again. That's when mascots are fun, unless your name is the Philly Fanatic. Um, so, uh, like, you're not going to Flyers games anymore, for even for the kids, for, to see the Gritty especially because ticket prices are still out out way out out outrageous for a team that's not very good you don't want to pay that price um so just <laughs> get out of here as as tort said just we got to get out of here gonna we got to get gotta, out of here yeah so good <laughs> and so do we we got to get out of here as well until next week Make sure you subscribe to us at Arlington Backcheck Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on all of those at, and the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff. Promo code THPN when setting up on DraftKings Sportsbook. You get a free $150 when you place a $5 bet on a pregame money line. Thank you so much for listening. At gmail.com Until next week, we're out of here.
1: Superstitious. Why do they offer at restaurants super salads?
0: I'm not even going to add the drum at the end of that. That was terrible.